This is Back to Devi, a show brought to you by Campus Tukin. This podcast specializes in collegiate player development and their potential for future success in the NFL. I'm your host, Mike V. This is my co-host, Corey P. We are continuing our conference series with the second part of the Big 12. The conference that has 10 teams, but they added four teams, but they'll be losing two teams. Somehow makes out the Big 12. <laughs> uh, if you missed part one, just, you know, just check out last week's episode. You know, I just have to lay that out there. Uh, we're breaking down each team's new coaches, their impact, Devi assets for each position, uh, and just, you know, some long-term and short-term options here. But first, Corey with the news. And it's the it's the dead part of the offseason, really. We're not getting much uh, really Debbie-relevant news coming through. The only thing that I did read looking at some USC stuff is that um, USC freshman wide receiver Makai Lemon, who had kind of a quiet spring, and some people were kind of wondering what was going on there because we know he did enroll early. He apparently has been dealing with some nagging injuries over there that has kept his spring pretty quiet. But uh, some of the beat reporters over there were still saying the team's very high on him and, and could still make uh, an impact in, in his first season here. Um, and the only other news, we kind of talked about it last week a little bit, but uh, Tyler Shuck for uh, Texas Tech, he's officially been named the starter. We we were talking about how we didn't even realize he was in a quarterback competition uh, <laughs> during the year, but uh, he's officially been named the starter. So um, lay rest to all those Baron Morton uh, hopes for this season. Um, and just a reminder, guys, that we did just release the Debbie Guide on May 1st, uh, 250 profiles, advanced stats, rankings, year one zero theory, everything you need to know to attack your drafts this offseason. That's a $20 one-time purchase or become a member with one of our, our many subscription options, uh, some of which include access to this guide as well as our supplemental freshman guide, which is uh, very helpful around this time right now. Our upcoming uh, CFF guide, which is, I think, going to be released first week of July there. Um, they're, they're grinding away on that thing. It sounds like they're pretty close to being done. And, and of course, you're going to get access to all the awesome tools that you see posted all over Twitter. So uh, make sure you guys keep checking out the Family of Podcasts as well, the YouTube channel as well. Make sure you guys are keeping up to date on everything that's going on throughout the offseason. Corey, do you know what dads love? Uh, I'm going to go with the fresh cut lawn. That's that's true. But they also love talking <laughs> to you about the glory days. It's a back in my day, back at whatever university, all that stuff. Anyway. Father's Day is coming up. Your dad's going to want some vintage college gear. They want to relive their days of, of hitting on Betty Sue, throwing their <laughs> Leatherman jacket on a girl like it's Pokemon out there. Mm-hmm. You know, But just go ahead and get them something from Home Field Apparel, a sponsor of Campus to Kit in here. We are sponsored by them. We have a code CAMPUS, the whole word CAMPUS, to the number, and then Canton. We'll get you 15% off Home Field Apparel. They specialize in vintage, just vintage college gear. Find something for your dad. Find something for yourself. Maybe, you know, hint at your wife. This is what I want. You know, you can you can do that, too, the way they did that for the ring. You can just throw down the magazine and be like, oh, you know, oops, my bad. Here's the shirt circle that I might want. So go ahead and get yourself some home field apparel gear. Corey, are you ready to talk the Big 12? Let's do it. You know, this half of the Big 12 is a little bit Debbie light, but we're going to do our best to find some names here for you guys to to at least put on the radar and and maybe some Debbie hopefuls out climb out of nowhere here. Yes, and I want to congratulate ourselves on getting to football content within four minutes of the podcast starting. Other shows might want to take note that took 10 minutes this week to get there. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we're getting to uh, – okay, we're past four minutes. All right, let's get into Cincinnati. 
New head coach, Scott Satterfield. Previous head coach, Luke Fickle, he's out of here. He's going to Wisconsin. Uh, Scott Satterfield, the Louisville head coach from 2022 to 2019. Before that, he was with App State from 2013 to 2018. And before that, he was the OC at App State. Before that, he was FIU OC for a year. So Cincinnati heads into the Big 12. This is a brand new staff led by a Louisville head coach. Uh, this is this is their first year doing it. Now, they, two years ago, were the number four team overall. Uh, they were they had so many defensive players go to the NFL draft, had some offensive players too. So this is a G5 team making the jump up, that, but they've already had success developing NFL caliber players. So I'm not, actually, I'm really not too worried about the transition. Usually you'd be like, well, this team's going to be bottom tier for at least a couple of years. So I'm not, I'm not overly concerned. Let's get into the quarterback position. Uh, the one name here that I think I care the most about is the true freshman, Brady Brogish. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a mystery box to me. I haven't looked into him much myself personally. I know Austin's a fan. I'll leave it 11 guy going to Cincinnati. So that was kind of, Kind of rare. You know, they don't really get that type of level caliber uh, recruit. Here he's making some good news here in the spring there. But like besides just the most surface level knowledge I gave you, I don't have really much to say about him. No, and I mean, uh, I, he's not a guy that I looked into a whole bunch either. But Austin Ace, a guy of our a part of our Debbie team, part of our recruiting team, um, you know, he's looked into him a little bit. He wrote his profile for the uh, for the supplemental guide. He did know, you know, it's kind of a fantasy manager's uh, dream type of guy if he ever gets the start because you know he loves to push the ball downfield, loves to take shots. You know, might be a little careless with the ball sometimes, but loves that big play. Um, the quarterback that I that is obviously going to start this year um, is Emory Jones. Once upon a time, PFF uh, first round ranked quarterback. I think they had him at projected number six, I believe, like two years yeah. ago when he was when he was starting for Florida. Uh, that didn't really work out. Uh, went to Arizona State. Now he comes uh, over here to Cincinnati to be the guy. He'll be a fine quarterback. I mean, he's a he's the kind of guy that will that likes to see it before he throws it. He's not an anticipatory thrower. He can run around a little bit. He can do a couple of things. I don't see much of an NFL future there, but um, this room in general, just hard to really get behind uh, from, from a Debbie aspect. Did Evan Prater move on? Did he move on? No, no. Evan Prater is still hanging around and they're still saying that he's going to push Emory Jones uh, for the starting job. Okay. But I mean, I, w- I mean, I was big on Evan Prater a long time ago, but it just hasn't worked out. He's gotten his chance now because I think the thing that we could say earlier was that Evan Prater hadn't gotten his chance yet. And we were just kind of waiting for that veteran preference, whatever that was fine. But then once they bring back Ben Bryant last year and then they start him over him. And then the few times that we do see Evan Prater, he looks freaking awful. Like, I mean, uh, I mean, if you're still holding on hope for Evan Prater, you should just uh, you should just stop that now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So doors closed. Uh, yeah. Ben Bryant's gone. What, didn't Ben Bryant go back to the portal? He's at Northwestern, I believe. Actually. Okay. I don't know why he left. I mean, I really I don't. don't. That, was, that was a pretty hey, sweet that, game. That was almost like a transfer. Ah, not really. I guess because Northwestern isn't really a great team, but it was almost a transfer no. up. I guess. <laughs> Um, okay, so that's it for the QB room. Let's go over to the running backs. Corey Kreiner, uh, hometown guy. Actually, I, you know the narrative way more. Why don't you just talk to me about Corey Kreiner? Yeah, I know. Played high school with Evan Prater as well, so I thought there was going to be a little of a connection there, though, too. But, yeah, this guy was a very uh, underrated freshman about two years ago, guy that I, I was a little bit drawn towards. Um, 5'9", 213 pounds, kind of has that low center of gravity, kind of like CEH-ish, I, I want to say. Like, he kind of reminded me of that. You know, started out at LSU and made a little bit of a splash as a freshman, had a couple games where he led the team uh, in rushing a few times. Um, transferred over here to Cincy last year, but, you know, didn't really get to play a ton 
um, did end up scoring five touchdowns, um, had, had a 100 yard uh, appearance as well, but again, really didn't get to play much. I think the thing that I'm kind of hoping here with, with him um, is that, you know, now hopping into the big 12 that you love that label as well, but kind of the Jerome Ford thing, right? Jerome Ford passed Alabama back, came over to Cincy. He didn't do much his first year either when he first transferred over. And then the second season, he blew up in that system. You know, I, I know he still ended up a fifth round pick, but now he could be RB two for, for the Browns this year. I'm hoping that that can be a similar fate for, for Kiner here. Hopefully he can blow up a little bit this year uh, and, and become the guy here. Because I think, I think it's a pretty decent system for running backs as well. We've seen um, th- th- we've seen them put in uh, Cincinnati in general, keep putting in talent into the NFL. And uh, I'm hoping that Corey Kiner can kind of work himself into a day three pick here. Yeah, no, since he has invested in the running back, Satterfield, too, new coach coming in. He's had six 1,000-yard rushers the last five seasons at App State. Even at Louisville, he had uh, JV and Hawkins. I don't know if you remember all that, how everyone thought JV yep. was going to be a thing. Yeah, and he came to UDFA. Yeah. He went to uh, the Rams for a bit, didn't he, I believe? Oh, man, dude, who did he sign with? I, I think actually he don't was know. with the Rams for a little bit. I, want to say yeah, the, I personally want to say the Falcons. I'm actually pretty positive See, the Falcons. This is why we don't talk NFL. <laughs> <laughs> so uh but he's he's had they've had success he's had success since Nice had some success so it's worth looking at the running backs here and and day three running backs do get their shot i mean we're i'm not the drone form fan out of the two of us i really don't like him at all but he certainly has the opportunity in front of him this season so you know <laughs> can't argue that so um besides Corey kiner is there anyone deeper that you like here a running back position? No. I mean, you got the two Montgomery guys still around. Um, uh, you've got some other no-name guys. Nobody really here that I think that we need to be paying attention to for Debbie purposes. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Do you, do you think Corey Connor has day three potential? I think the weird, yeah, I do think he does. I think the thing that holds him back the most is probably long speed. I think athletically, he's actually similar to CEH. I think he's probably like a four, six athlete. I think he tested as a four, seven athlete at some point in the recruiting process. I don't know if I see that. I see a little bit of burst to him. I think he could probably um, round that out to a little bit of a better number. But I do think that's probably the thing that'll hold him down. Kind of the quicker and short areas, kind of guy, low center of gravity. Uh, I want to see a little bit more usage in the pass game as well. He has some returnability. So I do think there's some day three potential there for him. Let's go to the wide receiver room. Uh, Cincinnati, again, a G5 program that's had some really good success lately putting in players into the NFL. I mean, their production still hasn't shown yet, but at least they get there and they get the draft capital. This past year, you had Trey Tucker was drafting the third. Tyler Scott, I want to say, was a fifth rounder, but both those guys were talked about as day two guys uh, at some point in time in the offseason, in the late offseason, really up to the draft, which is kind of when the hype matters is kind of who, who's out on top at the end. But they get Florida transfer Xavier Henderson. He was a top 20 recruit, very athletic, six foot three, 200 alpha size guy. Um, very unrefined, uh, just hasn't gotten it together. Not that Florida's had a good throwing QB there for a, for a minute. So he heads over to Cincinnati. And I mean, they don't really have much of a QB room right now either, but he gives another go. Yeah, and I mean, Florida's had a pretty bad track record of developing these type of guys. You know, even Justin Shorter, former number one receiver that went over there, nothing really happened for developmental purposes over there for him either. They just, they've struggled to really develop wide receivers over there. So Xavier Henderson comes over here to, to Cincy, maybe gets another shot. You know, there's Donovan Ollie as well from, from Washington State last year. Um, not a guy that I'm super uh, interested in. I mean, I, I think the thing here for me is when I'm looking at Debbie Potential, when I'm looking at some of the guys that are com- have come from Cincy, you know, not super productive, not super gaudy stats. The one thing that they did have, going for them too was, was some athleticism you know you look at Trey Tucker 4.40 Tyler Scott 4.44 and then you even go back a couple of years to Alec Pierce 4.41 um 
that probably points towards Xavier Henderson as the guy you want to look at. You know, like you're talking about, he's kind of like a size speed athlete, 4.5540 as a recruit, which I would imagine will hopefully get better, you know, working in a, in a college system here, a uh, 37 inch vertical. He's got like a 21.7 second, 200 meter time. So this is, this is a guy who's very athletic as well. That will be the thing that I think will grab attention with, with what we've seen come out of this room in the past couple of years. It is one that maybe we've got to keep on the radar. I think this whole team, I'm looking at the whole team now. I, I It's just, it's such a brand new team. It's such a brand new team. Uh, like coach, all these players too. It They lost so much production to the NFL draft. So I, I, this team feel like crash and burn like year one, like right away. Yeah, and, and hopping into the Big 12, as little as we think of some of the defenses in the Big 12, um, it's still a jump up in competition for them. And I mean, since he's been a pretty good team, especially defensively, so hopefully they can carry some of that into the new year. But yeah, there's a lot of new faces here, new guys at the helm. There's, there could definitely be a little bit of a building year here for them. Let's head on over to UCF, another new team here. Uh, new OC, Darren Hinsaw. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, Chip Lindsay is gone. Uh Darren comes from UAB. He was a UAB OC there. 2021, he was the UCF analyst. And then before that, from 2020 to 2016, he was the Kentucky co-offensive coordinator. And then 2015 to 2013, he was the Cincinnati QB coach. And then before that, 2012-2010, Tennessee passing coordinator. Gus Malzahn turns to a familiar face in Darren Hensall. After previous OC, Chip Lindsay took the job at UNC. Uh, Gus is really the only one that's truly pulling the strings here schematically and play calling. So this guy's really just a face in my opinion. Um, but obviously we'll see this year when not. I'm pretty positive about that. <laughs> um, heading over to the QBs, John Reese Plumley. Uh, everyone loves, everyone loves him. I mean, he's a great guy, but Corey, <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you talk to me more about uh, JPR? There, there's nothing JRP. here. There's nothing really here for Debbie purposes. I just wanted to say, you know, a little story about the guy. Okay, you know, the Saturday of the spring game, this this just this past off season, uh, played baseball in the morning. Uh, hit a triple. Uh, drove in two runners. Played all the way until the seventh inning. The seventh inning, he leaves. Goes to play the spring game for for UCF throws for 240 yards and then throws two touchdowns. You know, it's just a guy who's going to give you give you everything he's got. Maybe that can equate to getting somewhere on the, ne- on the next level. Um, maybe getting in as a practice squad guy or getting into something else like that, you know, but I just love that attitude from him, but yeah, you know, six foot 200. I just, I, I don't really think there's anything here from a Debbie perspective, but I love that story about him. Easy guy to root for at least. Yeah, no, he's still a locker room guy. He really does. And as a player though, he's a phenomenal athlete. He's not much of a quarterback. He's more athlete than anything else. So yeah. I, as far as like, we don't see any Debbie potential here. Can he get drafted? Sure. But uh, I just think he's so underdeveloped as a passer, as a processor, just in structure in general. I, I don't really believe in him being much of a Debbie asset here. No, and, and looking at UCF in general, I don't think that there's a ton of Debbie assets here overall. But, I mean, we can head over to the running back position. And, and you know what you're talking about with Darren Hitchcock coming over from UAB. Maybe there will be more of an emphasis on the run game. There's just nobody here that I love. I don't know if there's any guys here for you. A guy that I see people taking in, in campus Kent drafts later in drafts now is RJ Harvey, the guy who was kind of backing up Isaiah Bowser last year. Um, you know, Isaiah Bowser himself got like, like 17 touchdowns or something, but really wasn't very productive on the ground. RJ Harvey was kind of 
of the lightning to him. He's only 5'8", 195 pounds, so not somebody I'm super interested in. Demarcus Bowman is here. This is where he's ended up after all his third team now, fourth team. I don't know. He's like 180 pounds. Former five-star guy that started off at Clemson, went to Florida, now over here at UCF. Um, just, Just a guy that's way off the radar now, nothing really here. Is there anybody here that you're interested in? Okay, yeah, it's not on the sheet, uh, but big wide receiver guy, uh, Matt, over at the recruiting team, he does some really deep work. One of his deep guys last year that he loved was Jordan McDonald. Jordan McDonald's okay. six foot one, two twenty. Oh, I really wish I had the numbers pulled up in front of me, but as far as like how many jewels he produces when he runs as a running back, it's like really top tier. It's very high. So the dude's like an absolute freight train once he gets going. That's like as deep as a name as I can probably give somebody. Um, he only had two games, uh, came in for two rushing attempts for negative one yards against an FCS school, but against Temple, nine attempts for 44 yards and one touchdown, average 4.9 yards per carry. Again, just a true freshman, not much to go off of there. But UCF does like their beefy guys going down the middle. And I definitely think that Jordan McDaniel is much more athletic than Isaiah Bowser. So he could probably fill that role eventually and then definitely put up better numbers than Bowser. So as far as Debbie goes, I don't think so. If you want a CFF stash, which feels like a taboo word to really say, maybe maybe he can be that. Yeah, no, I actually like that call about uh, about Jordan McDonald. There, I actually remember his name being mentioned a little bit um, uh, last year. And you know, they do like their big bodies up at the front. We saw it with uh, with Isaiah Bowser last year. So maybe they do want that big body up front. Maybe he could push up for some time. So I do really like that call from you there. Um, heading over to the wide receiver group here, two guys right at the top, kind of kind of some interesting guys here. Javon Baker and Kobe Hudson, both nice prospects back in their day. Um, Javon Baker, six one two zero eight, formerly of Alabama. Uh, as a recruit, 4740, 35-inch vert, so not a very explosive athlete, um, but did lead UCF in receiving last year, which is under 800, uh, 800 yards. Kobe Hudson, though, 6'1", 200 pounds, 650 yards, uh, did lead the team with seven touchdowns last year. I know you like to call Kobe Hudson your guy, okay, but I do own myself a lot of Kobe Hudson, okay? He's on my C2C rosters. He's one of my favorite deeper targets, um, was a pretty nice prospect. I have him in the C2C versus NIL league. That's a very deep league. I've actually had to start him multiple weeks in that league, Um only a one copy with 24 teams, so that one gets pretty deep there. But again, you know, four-star guy. He was a year one zero at at Auburn, but followed it up with a pretty nice sophomore season. Kind of was dinged up a little bit this year, but I will say, like middle of the season, when he was kind of rumored to be his uh, at 100. percent um, he seemed like the guy in this offense. There was about five weeks there where he kind of seemed like the guy. Javon Baker's stats went down. Everything was kind of running through him. And then he kind of got dinged up a little bit again towards the end of the season and kind of shifted back towards Javon Baker. But, you know, that was kind of a sign there that maybe, you know, he stands out a little bit more in this room. But either way, two two nice, interesting guys there to kind of keep on the radar. Late, late C2C targets for you. I, I thought Kobe Hudson looked really good as like a route runner in Mississippi. I can't believe that he transferred to UCF. I mean, it's just, they don't really develop players there. So I still think he's like, I think he's technically good. Technically he's good. So maybe he recoups some value. Um, This is definitely a deep shot though. Uh, But I I do like him. And Javon Baker too was also pretty good too. I never really dug into him much, but out of those two guys, you would rather Kobe over Javon. Is that correct? I think so. I think that I'm leaning a little bit towards there. It seems like people are just kind of taking their shot on either one of these guys. It kind of feels like one of them will step up. You know, Ryan O'Keefe, the guy who was like the guy in this room last year, he moved on to BC. So it feels like one of these shots for Devi, but still guys you could take in the latter of your, of your C2C drafts. That'll be productive. And maybe there's some sneaky day three upside there. I don't have any deep names here at all either. I mean, those are deep. <laughs> I don't have any deeper names or like long-term names. Like there's no freshman to keep my eye on or sophomores even. 
Is it just one last alibi there for UCF? Uh, no, I think that about does it for uh, UCF for me. I mean, they're going to be an, an interesting team to watch kind of hopping into the Big 12 here and see how they adjust to to this new level of competition. All right, let's head on over to West Virginia. New OC, Chad Scott. Graham Harrell is gone. He goes to Purdue, which feels like a promotion somehow for how lackluster that season was, but we'll talk about that some other day. Um, Chad, Chad Scott is, is an internal hire. He was the West Virginia running back coach from 2022 to 2019. Um, I don't know what this coaching staff has on the athletic director, but all these guys have their jobs for way too, way too long, way too long. (laughs) Uh, I I really like, I know I joked last week about Baylor. They don't really deserve their, deserve to be fired, but I really do truly believe the West Virginia coaching staff really needs to be shaken up. Um, I know I spoke kindly about West Virginia last year because I was a little bit of a Graham Harrell fan. I, I think, I think last year was the end of it though, but uh, Neil Brown lives to see another season as the head coach. Uh, Long time since Chad Scott has been promoted from RB coach to OC. Uh, the early word right now is that Scott will be the play caller, uh, which is a role he never had. So it's a pretty big mystery what's going to go on there. Um, but coming from the running back coach, I'm hoping it's going to be running back heavy. Uh, there is there is a player here in this running back room that we are very excited about, uh, but they had a mass exodus of players. I'm talking about the offensive lines, like all new, everything, everyone's gone. And I read a really terrible spring report from a beat reporter uh, calling this team an FCS level team. Like he, this is not even power five. It, it, he, he said practice were so bad. It looked like a, like I think a Mac team. I think he would like call it a Mac team. Uh, so <laughs> let's get into it. QBs here. Um, I'll talk first. Uh, Nico Markiel was a freshman. I was excited about last year. He was, like my, he was my deep freshman last year. I watched his high school game where he came back from a 28 point deficit in the fourth quarter for the win. I, uh, he really like that game's on YouTube. It, 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 he put the team on his back and just looked like a leader. And I loved him for it. And he, he looked good on the move. He, he threw some nice, so like some nice touch balls there too. Uh, lefty, I want to say he's like six foot or six foot one. He's not prototypical size at all. He's he's more of the six foot mold. Uh, but he has no one to throw to. Uh, this offensive line is not only small but it's new. He looked okay during spring game last year. Uh, the first I remember I remember his spring game last year. He was pretty pretty terrible to, like his first two drives, and then he looked really good. His like next two or three drives after that once he got comfortable. Uh, but as far as like Debbie value goes. You can go ahead and drop them. I still got them on like two rosters, um, and I'm in an, a live draft right now where I wish I dropped them because I would much rather so many other players that are still available, and we're like in the 15th, 16th round of our uh, draft. So, um, But Nico is the QB there to watch, um, but I, I just don't think you can. You, you don't have to watch him anymore. You can just wait. <laughs> no, and I mean, we're trying to find something for you here in, in West Virginia. There's really not a lot here. I mean, even last year, we, we could be a little bit more excited with uh, JT Daniels coming in as quarterback, former five-star. We had Caden Prather there. We still kind of yeah. like Bryce Ford Wheaton was at least an athletic specimen over there. And then they still had the dual threat at running back with the Mathis and, and CJ Donaldson, who we'll get into. But the whole thing about where this team is right now is what worries me the most about CJ Donaldson, which is the running back we're most excited about here, but are they going to be playing from behind so much? Are they going to have room to run a lot? You know, that's going to kind of be my big, biggest worry for, for the guy we kind of like going into here, but, but more on CJ Donaldson himself heading into the running back room here. Um, 
Tony Mathis, obviously shipped out. We talked about Houston last week. He's over there now. So CJ Johnson gets a backfield to himself. I'm still hoping to see more from him. I think I'm not, it's like, I'm almost like not a hundred percent sold, I guess, you know, and I guess he is a tight end convert. So there's, there's, there has to be some expected level of him trying to learn the position a little bit there. But again, you know, there's wide open holes there, you know, very little wiggle I found, like fairly low uh, force miss tackle numbers. Um, but he, you know, did have over four yards after contact, uh, enough juice to keep breaking those big, those big runs, you know, just don't feel like he showed enough on the field last year. Like, like where, how high do you have him in your rankings right now? <laughs> Too high. Uh, I'll pull him up. Though. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I think, I, he's, I, think I think he's somewhere in my thirties or something like that, which, which feels a little bit low or maybe, maybe late twenties or something like that. Because I do, I do think, you know, six to 240 pounds breaking off runs like this. You have to pay attention to this. I just don't think I loved what I saw in the film. I moved him down to RB 17 for me. I think it's a wow, freight train. And once he gets, once he gets going, I think he's just really hard to bring down. I thought he played really well against TCU. And I know he like killed Virginia tech and like Towson, but like it's Virginia tech and Towson, but he looked phenomenal against Pittsburgh too. It's just once those lanes are open, I think he's just an, a freight train. So I know he doesn't have much wiggle, but like his acceleration is like, like sneakily fast. Like he gets up to full speed very quickly and he's 240. I mean, that's hard to bring down once he gets up to full speed. And if he gets into the secondary, those like small DBs and safeties won't be able to help him help too much with tackling. So I I do like him. I think he's got some sneaky athleticism to him. Uh, he's not a wiggle guy. He won't be a wiggle guy. He's definitely just a hammer. But I think he can be – I think there's potential to be an elite hammer. So yeah. – yeah, I think the top end speed is probably what I'm worried about the most. I did notice some burst there. You know, when he sees the hole, he can get downhill pretty quickly. But I think there there is a lot of upside here because this is a guy who's just really scratching the surface on, on playing running back, I feel like. So there, there, there's a lot here to be interested in. This is a guy you have to keep on the monitor at least going into next season and see what kind of happens here. It's going to be a rough team, and that's probably my biggest concern. But um, it should be his backfield this season. And, and he was the one early, early in the season that was like, I'm going to leave the team, like leave them off his Instagram, did the whole thing that players do when they want right. attention for something, you know, and then he's the one that doesn't leave. Everybody else leaves except for him. And I just like blew my mind. I would have loved to see him like run behind Minnesota. I know we talked about it before, but like those teams that are known yeah. for having run on deep offense, but lost their like six year running back or whatever. He would have been a great fill in for those guys. He's a I'd, mystery I'd box, but. but but I, no, I, I was going to say, I'd pull up my rankings and tell you where I have them, but I'm almost afraid my computer is going to break with some of the connection issues we've had tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, the wide receiver room's uh, vacant too now. I can't remember. I got bored and actually calculated the vacancy one time. It was something close to like 80 or 90% vacancy. Yeah, so a it's a whole brand new wide receiver room. There are no like high-end recruits to like throw your hat on. Like, oh, well, this guy was a four-star like three years ago. So it's not even like that. It's... It's very um, devoid of talent. So no wide receivers for me. Corey, none for you? None for me, buddy. We could move right along. Yep. All right. Let's get on to Iowa State here. New OC, Nate. I can't wait. I can't wait to mess this one up. Nate, <laughs> Snellhouse. Snellhouse. Shieldhouse. <laughs> okay. Uh, and the previous OC, Tom Manning. Thanks, Tom, for having a simple name. So, Tom. Yes. Tom has been one of Matt Campbell's OCs for all but one season during his tenure uh, in Iowa. Uh, things have been reaching the boiler point in 2022. Cyclones dropped from 43rd in scoring to 114th last season. It was terrible watching that film because I had to write. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say I had to. I volunteered. I volunteered to write Cartavius Norton's uh, Debbie profile because he was such mm-hmm. a fast-running name last offseason. But it was 
it was tough watching uh, Iowa's offensive line. It just looks everything just looks so incredibly dysfunctional. Campbell decides to hire from within, uh, promoting his run game coordinator to OC. So this is another guy with no OC uh, history at all. Same with Chad Scott. We have a brand new guy here, never really called plays, uh, but he's young. He's 32, and I kind of like that, but I don't know if we're expecting the offense to change much because this is an internal hire. So I'll be excited to see what Iowa State looks like this year. I mean, that that offensive line, they're rock bottom. Like, they got to get better somehow, right? Like, they're rock yeah. bottom. So let's go to the QB room. Um, let's let's talk Hunter Deckers real quick. Let's talk about his potential situation. Did you want to talk about it, Corey? Yeah, well, I mean, he's, you know, I think he looked okay last year in his first uh, season starting. You know, um, Felix Sharp was a big fan of his coming into the season. I think, you know, lively arm. I just, I, I feel like he lo- he struggles to throw with anticipation, you know, locks onto his first read. That's why Xavier Hutchison was was such a big guy this year. But there has been some news surrounding Hunter Deckers. Like, I- I'm not here to to spread rumors or anything like that i i don't I haven't seen any of it myself but i have seen some chat rooms recently that there's just some ominous things going on around hunter deckers right now okay and, and just some people out there pointing that maybe we should be looking to other guys in this room okay so i do want to look at one guy i think is pretty interesting a freshman that came out of this class um from the, from just this recent class 2023 jj cole four-star kid Six seven, two hundred and thirty pounds. Okay, and that's exactly as big and as tall as you think it is. He is he isn't the fastest guy, not a big big time mover. Uh, two four seven compares him to Joe Flacco, and I think that's kind of the kind of guy he is. So uh, not going to be the kind of guy to rush for a bunch of yards, but a lot of arm talent, has size, uh, had a strong spring. The staff seems to to like uh, him quite a bit. Um, you know, if there were a situation where Deckers weren't the guy. Um, I do think that J.J. Cole would probably get in there at some point this season and, and take the job. They do have a, a guy there right now, a um, little bit of a smaller guy, Becht, I think his name is. He'd probably be the starter week one. But I think that we could probably see J.J. Cole potentially be a guy halfway through the season. This is a guy that's, you know, I, I'm thinking about throwing in my rankings and maybe taking a few shots on later in drafts now. Yeah, he was a he was a Elite 11 guy. I wasn't excited about his uh, freshman tape, or sorry, his high school tape. I, I thought he was more of a cement shoes type of guy and his release just yeah. took way too long to get out. So um, he, I wasn't high on him. I certainly, I think I had him like lower than QB 30 in the class personally. So um, yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, 247 was the highest on him at quarterback 11. Um, and our recruiting team did, did grade him with the highest velocity rating out of anybody in this class, which is actually quite a few steps above anyway. So guys got a cannon for an arm. So there's some tools there if you want to buy in, but, yeah. but, but like, um, like Mike was saying here that, you know, he is a bigger, slower guy. The windup is a little bit slow. Every, the movements are a little bit, you know, sluggish, a little bit like that. So we just want to see the process quicken up a little bit for him. And Hunter Deckers was like running for his life last year too. So I, I don't know what yeah. I was going to do with that pocket collapsing. At least he can see over the top and he's got no issue getting that arm over the top either. So, yeah. Um, so I hope he's, I hope he learns how to release the ball fast. So uh, heading over to the wide receiver room, uh, Corey, Correct me if I'm wrong, but did you post something about Jalen Noel like recently on Twitter? I think are you a Noel fan? Or am I making that up? Uh, you might be making that up. I know we have okay. some guys on the team that are bigger fans of him. I think he's kind of 
going to kind of be the guy this year. You know, fifth-year guy, um, there was some buzz, you know, early in the offseason about him possibly being that guy to replace Xavier uh, Hutchinson, but the buzz seems to have died down uh, quite a bit around him. Uh, I do remember actually asking our CFF team what they thought about him, and, and they all felt pretty down on him. So it's possible that this attack is is pretty spread out here, or there, there might be another name that we should be uh, kind of looking at here. One guy that I do think is sort of interesting um, guy that flashed in the spring game a little bit has been getting a little bit of run with the ones. Um, this is a, a complete deep shot. We're shooting from deep here. This guy's name is Jaden Higgins. Okay. He's six, four, 215 pounds. Um, caught a touchdown with the first team during the spring game um, and fits the mold of, you know, the Iowa state wide receivers that we're kind of used to, you know, Alan Lazard, um, Hakeem Butler, Xavier uh, Hutchinson, you know, tall, longer lean guys, um, maybe possession guys, that can line up in that X spot. And he's projected right now to be the guy in that X spot. You know, he spent the last two seasons at Eastern Kentucky. So, you know, um, um, uh, Atlantic sun, I believe is the conference there. You know, I think he led them in touchdowns, I, I believe actually uh, in that conference as well. So taking quite a, a step up here, um, but is a guy that kind of fits the mold a little better than Jalen Noel, who's a little bit of a smaller guy. So I don't think that we really know where it's headed here, but just a name I wanted to kind of throw on the radar there. I like that. Never heard of him before. So <laughs> him a little bit. Um, going over to the running back room where I can talk a bit. Uh, Cartavius Norton uh, was Phil Steele's like RB1 last year going to the season. Um, I, I, I don't really, he wasn't the guy I looked at as a freshman. So I, I have no idea. He was a brand new name to me once that came to light. Obviously, they got Brees Hall, David Montgomery. They have a pretty good history of developing running backs there in Iowa. And so it was kind of presumed that Norton was going to be the next guy. He he didn't really light up the stashy, and so I wanted to go watch the game because he looked like a very inefficient runner, uh, according to box score scouting. And and that line was just like there's no holes, and he would always look to bounce stuff out wide and just get caught. So I I don't want to fully blame him or say this guy's not a Devi asset, but I mean he is like a very 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 deep shot. I mean he definitely has the workhorse size. He definitely has like the skill set. You know, but I don't know how good his skill set is. I can't say he's got traits even. There really wasn't much to watch as far as him because it was always, you know, he'd wait for his assigned hole to open up. It would almost never open up, never. And then he, well, I guess he wasn't beating guys around the edge because he wasn't finding success that way either. So um, I, I'm not out on Norton. Obviously, if you already have him, you probably draft him way too high compared to what he's valued at now. So mm-hmm. you're just holding on to him. But I, I think you should continue to hold on to him. I think he's worth holding on to. Yeah, I'm kind of on the opposite side here a little bit. You know, I didn't actually take much of him. I wanted to, you know, I trust a lot of what uh, what we were hearing last year and stuff like that. And I was hopeful that he was going to kind of be the guy. We're not a big fans of Jarrell Brock over there either. But I feel like he did kind of get his chance here, right? He had a five-game stretch where he had 15 or more touches, right? During that five-game stretch, only 270 yards on 77 carries, 3.5 yards per carry. Uh, he did have 69 yards through the air, but all with a negative eight odd as well. You know, less than less than 2.5 yards after contact as well. You know, zero buzz this spring about this guy either. You know, the more I just kind of look back at this, the more I just kind of see. I'm just not hopeful that there's that there's much here for the guy. I'm avoiding. I'm not drafting unless it's like just stupid cheap or free or something. So to me, he's not really a Debbie asset. I'm kind of off of him. He did have 23 missed tackles forced on 87 carries. I don't I don't know if that's a good ratio. I just want to throw that out there. I don't think it's that bad. I don't think it's that good either. Though. Yeah, I don't either. I don't know why I threw that out. I'm just trying to defend him. 
<laughs> I mean, that, that uh, pretty much leaves the only guys here as Jarrell Brock, who we've talked about a little bit. We're not huge fans of him. I think he's going into his fifth year now. This is a guy who was like Brock backing up Brees uh, as a freshman as well. So, and he's continued to do that. Didn't really step up last year. There is some rumors that he was dealing with like an injury and we might see like a different Jarrell Brock this year, but not something that I'm super um uh, hopeful for the only other guy here. Um, we mentioned him a little bit in the off season, just because he was a transfer. He transferred over from uh, Stanford, I believe uh, Arlene Harris was oh, a yeah, freshman yeah. last year. So he's, he's here yeah. as well, kind of sitting in this backfield. I don't know if he'll be able to do anything there, but just another name to keep an eye on. And the only guy I think is worth holding. If you already have him is Norton, everybody else you can just throw away. Um, let's get on to her now an exciting team. I'm actually now excited to talk about this Kansas state university, KSU, the mm-hmm. Big 12 Conference champion, they beat TCU. Um, no coaching changes here. They don't need it. They look great end of the year. Let's get to the quarterback room. Let's talk about Will Howard, six foot five. I think he's six foot four for the record, but listed at six foot five, 235, prototypical size. Corey wrote the profile for the Debbie Guide. I'm a little bit jealous about that one, but that's all hindsight and after the fact. But I, I, <laughs> I thought he had like really good movement skills for a guy his size. I'm talking about like a Justin Herbert type movement skill, like sneaky athleticism. Uh, I thought as a passer, he had decent touch. I, I need to see a little bit more tight window throws. I want to see more of that, but I, I like Will Howard. I think the tools are there. I think he's flashed enough for me to think that he's going to take another big step as a full-time starter. He wins games. He didn't pass over 300 yards a single game, but I think he went, I think six and two as a starter. And one of his losses was like Alabama. I don't really blame him for losing Alabama. But an efficient, really safe guy, and I think he's a decent runner too. Corey, talk to me about Will Howard. Yeah, you know, the reason that I wrote his profile first is because Will Howard is actually my guy, but you just decided to fucking take him. So I have to deal deal with that now, but that's okay. It's okay. We're Colby Young all over again. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I like this kid. I like a lot of the stuff you said. Um, I think he's pretty clean mechanically. Um, Some of the negatives I did write on him was that I did think he locks onto his first read too long. He's not a guy who doesn't go through his progressions. He just holds onto that first look too long. I want to see him, you know, make quicker decisions decisions hop off that first look if it's not there um but yeah he does throw a pretty ball he does have some nice touch occasionally where he's laying it in between defenders i did want to see him rifle it in there a little bit more but over the last seven weeks in the big 12 okay he threw the most yards he threw the most touchdowns had the second highest a dot so he wasn't just like dunk, dinking and dunking or anything and threw the second fuse interceptions so he's taking those shots and not turning the ball over either so this is a guy who really took a step forward i mean if you remember will howard way back in that he actually got a couple starts as a true freshman he looked horrendous like he, he looked like a guy that we shouldn't care for at all. But, you know, sitting back here um, while the other guys came in, while Adrian Martinez came in and he had to kind of sit behind him and, and uh, hone his craft, he comes out, you know, this year a lot better looking player. You know, I know you've got him pretty high in your draft rankings towards like here. What do you got him? QB7? Uh, yeah, I got him seven for the class, like for the class of 2024. For the class. And what are those, what are those seven? Tell me those seven in order. Oh, man. Uh, let me get up here. Uh, Drake May, Caleb Williams, uh, Quinn Ewers. Kyle McCord, Carson Beck, Penix, and then Will Howard. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I think he's a, he has potential for top 10 season. I know Nagy's been hyping him up a little bit as well, but Nagy hypes up every senior. So, I mean, yeah, he's definitely a guy that I think could could really climb up draft boards here as a senior guy. The other guy in this room, though, freshman from this year, a lot of guys are excited about, eager to get your opinion on him because I don't know if I'm at the same place everybody is at, and that's Avery Johnson, um, kind of kind of a flashy recruit. He was a tier two quarterback, I believe, for us. He to see recruiting team. What's your feelings on Reed Johnson? 
I think he's more of a CFF asset. I don't believe he's more of a Debbie asset. I, mm-hmm. He's he's the type of quarterback that they had there, like the Adrian Martinez. Like that's that's what Adrian John, Avery Johnson is. Like similar to Jalen Daniels too. Like the the RPO guys that do really well out of structure. He has good legs. Um, as a passer, like unrefined, you know your typical high school. There's really nothing special about his passing at all whatsoever, in my opinion. Um, but he offers stuff with his legs. And that's that's what I think about Avery Johnson. So I'm not there for Debbie. I certainly think that he's going to be a really good collegiate quarterback. I'm just not there for the NFL trades yet. Just yet. I got to see it. Yeah, I think I'm I'm with you there. You know, you're, you're talking about tools, but you're just talking about rushing tools. I don't think the arm talent is there really, you know. And he's 6'2", 178 pounds. The size isn't really there as well. I found the arm, like, unimpressive. You know, like, uh, a lot of the balls seem floated. Um, kind of has a weird throwing motion, I want to say. Like, he's just, like, like nothing is refined about it. Like, no one taught him how to throw a ball properly, and he's just kind of, like, whipping it out there like a baseball sometimes, you know. I really think he's probably got a limited NFL future, unless he really takes uh, um, some big steps forward as a passer throughout his career. And I, I think Will Howard could even stay another year, too. So, I mean, we're maybe two years until we kind of even get this guy. Yeah, he is. Avery Johnson's a great athlete, though. I, I do want to put that out. He yeah. is a great athlete, just unrefined. I don't know how he's a processor. I, I like that you put in that he floats balls. I remember that in my notes after you said that. Do you um, know what his – what do we have an, a miles per hour time for him? I'm oh, just interested. I don't know if we do. Uh, yeah, I can pull it up, actually. But, uh, yeah, because I know I know he is quite an athlete and can a track athlete as well, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pulling it up. Our system is a little bit slow here, I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. Uh, twenty-one point one miles per hour. See, that's pretty fast. That's, that's good for a quarterback. Four, five, four, uh, forty-yard dash. Yeah, so that's some speed for a quarterback. So if you want, if your guy wants to buy into that, or if you're just you know late C two C target, you know he could be a guy that could be productive for your team for a couple of years at least too. He played basketball too. I mean, this dude really is just a, an athlete. <laughs> He's an athlete. Yeah. Um, let's get on to the wide receiver room. I have a guy I actually want to talk about in detail here. This is the Iowa transfer. Keegan Johnson, I, he mm-hmm. was a a freshman breakout, and then he had an injury last year, so he was like pretty much non-existent. Um, but six six foot one, one ninety, so he got that prototypical size. He is a great yak threat. And I'll, okay, I go back to the Iowa thing real quick. He has something like eighteen receptions, three three hundred and fifty yards, and like I want to say like four or five touchdowns. But this is Iowa, Iowa who has the most dysfunctional offense known to man. And he did that as a true freshman. They should have gave him a Heisman. He should have been a Heisman finalist because if you can do that with with who, <laughs> with Spencer Petras and, and the Iowa offense, I mean, that dude is amazing. But he comes over, finds his way to KSU. Will Howard is an emerging Debbie asset. He certainly is a good passer. Um, you can run him getting the ball out. And then Keegan Johnson's making waves at spring camp. I'm reading that he's just a stud and a star there. I go and flip on the tape. He's a yak monster. Like that's his thing. He's a yak guy. Um, I'm trying to learn more about if he's going to be a refined route runner, but at least uh, Iowa found ways to get in the ball in the short area and he was making it work. So um, I hope, I hope Kansas state, which doesn't have a history of developing wide receivers can develop him more technically. But I think as far as the athletics go and the yak ability, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be a, a pretty good guy here. So he's on my Debbie radar. I've actually recently put him into my rankings. I need to pull him up here. Um, but I think I have him in my forties, like early forties, mid forties. 
Yeah, and I don't really think that, you know, you, you were talking about the development of wide receivers here at Kansas State. I don't even know if they've had somebody with the pedigree of Keegan Johnson. This was a guy with some pretty high pedigree as well. I believe a high four-star kid. Um, he did fall under that uh, that year one zero threshold, which he did beat. He could kind of smash it over there at Iowa, considering <laughs> considering what he put up compared to some of the other wide receivers there. So, um, yeah, and then you're looking at Kansas State, who, who loses a, a bunch of production from their wide receiver room this year. This guy could is supposed to step into that wide receiver one role for Will Howard, who brings more of a passing element than they've had in the past with Adrian Martinez and with everybody else. So maybe it's a little bit of a changing of the guard, and we see a little bit more passing action uh, come out of this offense than we have in the past. Yeah, I... He has some issues with drops too, his freshman year. I saw that too. Of course, it's a freshman, so I think it's just jitters. I don't really care too much, but I just want to mention that too. He did have a drop issue. Um, that could also be Spencer Petras just not putting the ball in the right spot. But again, yeah, I, I'm in on Keegan Johnson, and the spring news are just glowing. And there's, I think their top returner has like 200 yards receiving. So I'm, I'm like, I'm so in. I am so in on Keegan Johnson. No. I think we've been talking behind the scenes a little bit in our Debbie chat, in the Slack chat that we kind of think that we, you know, we missed a little bit here by not writing him up here. Uh, It was easy to forget about him a little bit because last year was such a lost year for him with the ankle injury. He only played like two games or something. So it was easy to forget about him. And then, you know, the low production over at Iowa, but then, you know, Colin Decker uh, wrote a very nice article on C2C. Everybody should go check it out. Some, an honorable mentions list that goes into some of these guys that we think could could have been in the guide or were just on the cusp or guys that we've talked about um, now on the back end that we think probably could have deserved right up. He's one of the guys. So if you want to look a little bit deeper into Keegan, Keegan Johnson there, go, go check out that article uh, on campus. Yeah. I thought he nailed that article too. I really did. Uh, yeah. Kind of feel like he was telling on us though. So like, you know, yeah. that, <laughs> better not see me. Well, why, I don't know why he was, I don't know why he wasn't just mentioning the names in the chat. Like I asked for to begin with, you know, like, <laughs> he's too busy picking out what robe to wear on at, at the altar. <laughs> So, um, speaking of Colin here, who he looks just like the OC at KSU. He look whose name is also Colin, Colin Klein, and Colin Decker of campus. No, I, I I was showing you pictures of Will Howard, man. I think he looks yeah, like Will he, Howard. He's got some similarities there. I think Colin Decker was born for Kansas State. I don't know. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Um, anybody else here of interest? Running back room, I guess, is the one room we haven't talked about. Trayshawn Ward, a transfer coming over from Florida State, yes. a small guy. Not really a guy that I'm, like, super excited about. He did enter as the lead last year at Florida State and had some pretty decent games for it, too. Had a couple 100-yard uh, performances as well. But injury, and then, of course, a guy by the name of Trey Benson, um, who, was coming, who came back from injury, kind of took over that backfield completely and didn't really let him get the job back even when he was healthy. So he transfers out here now. Um, we also have DJ Giddens from last year who was backing up Deuce Vaughn, had some good games as well uh, in that role. It looks like there's not going to be one guy to replace what Deuce Vaughn did for this team. It sounds like both these guys um, are going to get some pretty solid run here. I actually think Trishon Ward's got some good wiggle to him. I think he can be successful here. I think it's more of a, more of a CFF asset here than he is Debbie. I think he's uh, mm-hmm. – I, I mean, I could see him get drafted, but I'm talking about, like, late day day three. But I, I could see him putting up a really big big season. I really can. I thought he was efficient. I thought he had some wiggle. He's just not a power running back. That's not his, his style, but – you know, and then the size worries me a little bit, you know, especially when they're listed like that, then it's like, what are they actually going to come in at? Which is like, you know, if you're already yeah. listed at 194, hopefully you're not like really like 190 or like 189 or something. So it worries me that he's kind of typecasted into like more of a complimentary role, which I mean, still has its value, but it's just not really what we're targeting. 
And it's hard to predict these complement rules too. It's much easier to predict. No, yeah. Giddens, on the other hand, at six one, two hundred pounds, and still fairly young, does have some room to maybe grow into his frame a little bit as well. So maybe maybe a guy there that you can kind of throw on the radar at the end. Yep. All right. Let's head on over to Kansas. I almost said the inferior Kansas. There's a lot of Kansas versus Kansas fighting on Twitter lately. Um, <laughs> it's very entertaining to read, but like these guys are throwing out wild stats on why Jalen is better and then why Will Howard is better. It's just, it's, just, it's crazy. Um, anyway, Kansas, uh, the Jayhawks here. Quarterback. Uh, there's no coaching changes. Quarterback room. Jalen Daniels. Jalen Daniels kind of erupted on the scene this past year. He's definitely a debated name as to being. Uh, a Debbie asset or not. I want to get your, your, uh, your thoughts on this, Corey. Yeah. I've talked about him a few times in the show. I am a Jalen Daniels fan. Um, the size isn't the greatest, but he is stout. He's six foot, 215 pounds. Um, and like Howard, um, unlike Will Howard, which is funny because they were, they were uh, talking back and forth recently is Jalen Daniels at one time this year was like the best quarterback in the big 12 first four weeks of the season, uh, led the big 12 in touchdown passes second in yards from scrimmage rushed for over 300 yards during those four, first four games was the highest graded quarterback by PFF in the big 12, you know, then he got injured. Um, lost some of the season. Jason Bean had to come in and, and look okay, but didn't really have the same upside that Jalen Daniels brought with that dual threat ability. Um, he did end up coming back in the bowl game um, and kind of reminded us a little bit. I think he went over 550 yards and threw like five touchdowns or accounted for five yeah. touchdowns anyway. Yeah, 544 so, and five touchdowns. Yeah, so uh, – so again, you know, I think he had a couple of turnovers in that game as well, but again, you know, coming back from the injury, finally kind of got hundred percent, everything sounds great coming into this year. My comparison with the guy has always been Tyrod Taylor. And I think that that's a really good comparison, especially for expectations, even, even on the upside levels. I think he's probably a mid round pick. Um, and I think he's somebody who could be a spot starter potentially, maybe grow into a starting role. Tara Taylor got a got a contract at one point and became became the guy for I think it was Buffalo there for a while. Um, so I, I really think that's the kind of thing. And they share a lot of similarities. They're both shifty little runners. They both got a pretty good arm on them, a, a lot of arm talent, um, touch and drive, and uh, they're both pretty shifty. So I think that that's kind of the upside that I see with Jalen Daniels. Uh, he also has the highest QBR out of all the quarterbacks last year. Sorry, that's one of the dumb stats I saw floating around during the Twitter argument. No, he was QB- really good during those first four weeks. Like, he was. And then he just kind of got lost. And I think that's what people are kind of hopeful for, that we're going to see that guy return now and kind of for a full season of it. Like, what can we expect from that, you know? Yeah. So, I, I know you just talked about him as a passer. I didn't personally see that much in this passing. Of course, I watched a lot of his injured games, too. So, I, I, I need to see a full healthy season. But I... I'm more in the fan club that he's just going to be a really good collegiate quarterback. Like his rushing upside, I think is like good on a collegiate level. I don't think he's, you know, he's not hitting that Jalen hurts uh, Lamar Jackson level rushing ability at the next level. I don't think. No, he's not that type of rusher. I don't think he's that type. I think he's like a four, six type of guy. Like that's yeah, kind of like the range. Yeah. I, I liked your Tyrod Taylor um, ceiling comp too. I thought that that was super fair. Yeah, like that's that's pretty much it. If he goes higher than that, then I'll even I'll be surprised, as, even as a guy who likes him. So, yeah, uh, let's head on over to the running back room. And uh, you're a friend of Devin Neal, and I would like you to take a lead on this one here. Yeah, you know, I well, I mean, me and Alfred actually, I remember us uh, Devin Neal hopping in our DMs because we were talking about him as a freshman when we were looking over some of his tape way back in oh, the day. Before sorry, you said you said Alfred. You meant Brandon Lejeune, or you mean Alfred? No, Alfred. Oh. Alfred, uh, yeah, way back in the day, back what was his uh, what was his podcast 
podcast called why wait till Sunday. This was before campus can't even really like started. So um, we, he was doing some film reviews on Twitter and we were talking about uh, Devin Neal. And yet I remember he had this really flashy uh, highlight where he like stonewalls a guy or something like that either way. And he was split out wide a bunch. So it, really interesting, really good athlete, but he's really one of the top debated names kind of in Debbie right now. I feel like, you know, I think he's got the size that we like five eleven, two ten, and like, Actually, a really good production profile when you think about it. You know, 700 rushing yards as a true freshman, which is great. And then he took a step forward as, as a sophomore at that over 1,000 yards as a sophomore. But it almost seems like they never fully commit to the guy. I don't know why. They Like, there's only a, a few games where he really gets the amount of touches that we want to see, right? And when he does get the touches, he does really well. 28 touches versus Texas Tech this past year, 198 yards. 38 touches versus 38, yes, 38 touches versus Oklahoma State, 334 yards and a touchdown. Okay, that was over 100 yards receiving, over 200 yards rushing. The only uh, two other times that even had over 15 touches last year, 18 for 69 versus uh, Kansas State and 15 for 88 versus TCU. One of those games wasn't the greatest, but still, they only gave him that um, over 15 touches four times, and he seemed to do good every time he got them. I don't know why they just wouldn't commit to this guy more, and it makes me a little bit worried about it. And I'm also just worried about the fact that he's at Kansas. Like, is he going to get the attention that he needs to actually become a legitimate NFL candidate? Thanks, You know, NFL always says, you know, we find the talent. doesn't matter where you are, we're going to find it. I hope that's the case with Neil because I think he's athletic. I think he's got a, a versatile skill set and i think that um he's checking the boxes that we want to see i'm just worried if he's gonna get the attention that he deserves here i i do yeah i I like him a lot i I think he's a phenomenal athlete too like he's definitely Mm -hmm. an nfl level athlete as well workhorse size and uh i i don't like split backfields just from like a a narrative type standpoint a narrative standpoint it's just i want to see him in the full workload i don't want to have offensive schemes making it easier for him and lighter for him to figure out how to control a defense i want to see I want to see him in terrible situations so I can like evaluate him to his fullest. Um, but no, I I'm with you there. It's a little frustrating. I think, what was it? It was, was it Kai, was it Kai Thomas that was there and he's gone now. I think he's a UDFA mm-hmm. at the NFL level. So no, Kai Thomas went to, I believe Kent state actually, I think something like that. Yeah. He's actually still around, okay, but he's gone. So mm-hmm. hopefully they commit more to Devin Neal. He certainly is the most talented, probably the most refined running back in that room. Um, where do you have him ranked by the way? Where do you, he, where do you he's, he keeps going all over the place for me because he is kind of hard to rank because I think the talent is there. He's my running back 21 right now. Okay, I got him at 19. He's right next to Katron Allen. So I, that's kind of like where I had him at. That's funny. He's right next to Katron Allen, yeah, for me yeah, too. Yeah, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we like Devin Neal there. Any wide receivers or other running backs you want to talk about here? No. No, not really. Um, I, I, I just wanted to look because I didn't even know. I, I looked at who the CFF team has ranked as the top wide receivers. It's uh, a guy by the name of Luke Grimm and a guy by the name of Lawrence Arnold, and they're both in like the 160s for them, like at, at the position, or 116 or something at the position. For yeah. them. So I don't really think that it's guys that we're super worried about. Again, if we if I like Jalen Daniels as much, we might need to expect somebody to be on the receiving end here. Um, uh, but I don't really know. It could be more like the KJ Jefferson thing where no guy really – really stands out it's more just run through kj jefferson with his rushing and passing ability so i kind of think that's what jalen daniels is probably going to be for this team i I think daniels knows how to extend the play he doesn't really have a favorite target he just knows how to extend the play and find the open man or wait until one gets open however long it takes for them to do that um heading over to our last school here byu uh no coaching changes byu goes from independent to uh, the Big 12 here. So I don't really consider them G5. They've always had a, a, a decent 
a decent schedule with mm-hmm. the they've always of, been a weird know. team like they've just yeah. have been in the middle of everything and plus you know with the whole mission things and stuff they were just a weird team to evaluate sometimes yeah and i've always considered them i've personally always considered them p5 they usually have a good schedule with the exception of um zach, zach wilson's year uh, and that really worked out for him so good for zach uh but no coaching changes here but they do have a new quarterback Corey. Uh, Keaton Slovis, <laughs> still alive, still kicking, still throwing. Still kicking. Seventh uh, year with five more years of eligibility left. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I haven't heard any of his hive left out there. On Well, there's one guy, but I think he's trolling because he just knows. But is there is there any any hope here for Keaton Slovis as a Debbie asset? No. I mean, never. he's just gone downhill since the freshman season. And I want to say, like, maybe the shoulder injury he suffered that sophomore year – and has really never looked the same. If anything, he's gone downhill since it. I don't know if it's like messed with him mentally um, ever since then, or if it's actually something that's still bugging him, like maybe something that's just not healed properly or something that he's just not trusting fully, but he's just never looked like that same guy we saw that freshman season at, at USC. So, I mean, last year, I think he, uh, at Pittsburgh, it was not a very pretty show. So, I mean, coming to try BYU, trying his third team in the last three years. So, I mean, it's... It's getting tough for him. He's scraping at his relevance right now. Yeah, he he had to be like a top twenty pick for Debbie probably after his freshman year, like at least. Right? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. I remember even having I remember having years. conversations about him, countless conversations about him. About you know, hey, if he did this as a freshman, what's the trajectory going to be? And he looked good. He continued to look good. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, that's a tough one. Uh, <laughs> one of the example, many examples of. Uh, QB is hitting early and then just falling off. Um, but yeah. also going back to your shoulder thing, maybe he just messed up his technique too, like healing from the shoulder. Yeah. He starts like playing around and just becoming damaged goods. So um, anyway, yeah, but I'm out. Just, just I'm just I'm getting right to the chase there. I'm also out. I don't think he's going <laughs> to fix it anytime soon. So um, that's cool. But let's talk about the running back room. Uh, Tyler Algier was obviously underrated going to the NFL. We all know this. Um, Everyone's saying this, by the way. Everyone in the streets is clamoring for Tyler Algier. Uh, but the running backs here, is there anybody here that we care about? BYU does produce a lot of day three running backs, talking about like Jamal Williams right now, who's with the Saints. I mean, he's still super relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, Algier might be relegated to a handcuff role, but I think he's universally recognized as a high-end handcuff. Some people are saying he'll still be involved, but whatever. I mean, he's going to be sticking around the league for a couple of years at least. Um, is there any running back in this room that we're looking for to be the, the next BYU running back? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take a shot here, and, and this is going to be a, a name that C2Cers uh, probably recognize, or at least CFFers recognize even more, um, a guy by the name of Aiden Robbins. Um, and he's just a really interesting, like, built, size-speed guy, right? He's 6'3", 230 pounds. Um, he was ranked as a four-star transfer coming over from UNLV. He actually started his career at Louisville, but didn't do anything at Louisville for like, two, I think only appeared in three games through through two seasons or, or maybe even three seasons. Um, only appeared in three games. I don't know if that was injury related or what, but came to UNLV, um, ended up becoming the guy by about week three, uh, ran over a thousand yards, ran for nine touchdowns, forced the third most missed tackles uh in the Mountain West Conference um, during that time after week three as well, rushed for the third most yards and was tied for the second most 10 plus yard runs um, after that week three point as well. This guy was 4.54 40 as a recruit as well. So we're talking about a size speed combination. That's really interesting here. We're just heading into like, 
fifth year here. So it's like, it's getting to, to be like his last chance to do anything. But I just wonder if there's a, a day three path for him, you know, similar to Algier, similar to Jamal Williams and similar, if, if he can kind of flash in this offense, which we've seen running backs do in this offense. I like that call there. I really do. He was great at UNLV, not really known for being a powerhouse team at all. So uh, being a thousand yard rusher coming from that team means something. Uh, who was the other name from BYU that was getting hyped up last year? Do you remember that off the top of your head by any chance? Christopher Brooks. I yes, do remember that. Back, which I think happened? actually made it as a UDFA. I think he's with Miami, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, but I think okay, he was so injured. For, yeah, So, but he was injured for most of the season last season, I think, as well. Never really took off like we were hoping to be the next like Tyler Algier type guy. And now that's kind of kind of falling on Robbins here to maybe maybe he's the next guy in line. Okay, I like that. That's a nice call. I got to go check and see if he's available in my draft. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably not. <laughs> He oh, probably either man. got scooped up last year, or he'd be a he'd be a pretty hot name, I would imagine. All right, let's let's head on over to the wide receivers. The last two years, we had uh, Puka Nakua, who was a really fun gadgety player, was really efficient, great athlete, not really refined. Um, made it to the fifth round, goes to the Rams. Uh, we'll see how that works out. He's a day three guy. Before that, we had Dax Milne, roommates with Zach Wilson, who got drafted in the sixth round. Who Looks like he's going to make it longer in the NFL than than Zach is, which is pretty amazing. And he's still inside. <laughs> no, yeah, you don't actually it. think you don't actually think that. Do you? Zach Zach is, will keep getting chances. He'll get chances. Yeah, yeah, Look yeah. at Baker Mayfield is still getting chances. Well, at least Baker Mayfield well, actually Baker, showed something. Yeah, though, Baker yeah. Baker has a pretty great freshman se- or rookie yes, season. Yes, yes, he did. Yeah, that's not that's not actually fair to say that. No, I don't think Zach gets picked up. I actually don't. I don't think he gets picked up, even yeah. though he's a first rounder. Uh, but anyway. Um, Back to the NF, back to the NCAA wide receivers here. We got Chase Roberts, Cody Epps. They're both where they? They're both fourth year guys because they went on mission trips. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'll be honest. I don't follow BYU wide receivers that much. I know that Chase Roberts has been a guy who's kind of been hyped up a little bit this this year. Um, Keanu Hill, I think, is his name as well as another guy that's there. Yeah, um, and then the Cody Epps or whatever. But I, I don't really think I'm interested in anything here. I was actually hoping that you kind of had somebody for me here. I knew, I knew Epps was the fourth year. I think so was Chase. I'm not I'm not a big fan. Like these guys are all they're just guys. I could definitely yeah. see one like producing the numbers and getting his name out there and like maybe being day three guy. But like that's a ceiling play for me. And I don't even know if he even touches the field in the NFL because I really don't have anyone on my radar. Like they're 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 all names I know. They flash like one game every like five or six. But like there's no one here that I think it's technically refined or even can be technically like I no. The, the short answer is no. Sorry. There's no one here I really care about because I feel like I'd be more positive. The only positive I can say is that uh, Eric Froton, friend of Campus Game, great guy, uh, interviewed um, interviewed Jaron Hall. No, it wasn't Jaron Hall. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm throwing a blank. Eric Froton asked a BYU player at uh, some sort of like bowl game and asked him, like, who's the next guy up for BYU wide receivers? And the dude threw out the name Cody Epps. So if there's one name to pay attention to, it's Cody Epps. Uh, but again, he's entering like his fourth or fifth year because of that mission trip. So he's really going to be a little bit older of a prospect. All right, Corey, that's that's it. Do you have anything else to say about BYU or any any of these teams? No, yeah. Like you're saying, a little bit of a light Debbie show. We have probably thrown, hopefully thrown some sleepers out there for you guys to pay attention to. Hopefully we get somebody that can touch day two out of this, in, out of this list here. But uh, yeah, slim pickings on this side of the Big 12. I actually am rolling down the list of people we talked about. It's it's bleak. It's kind of barren. All right. But anyway, yeah, this was a light show. Guys, thank you for joining us here. Uh, Corey and I will be discussing behind the scenes if we're talking about the ACC 
or the Pac-12. That's a hint to Corey to let me know which one he wants to do later. <laughs> Thank you for joining us from Mike and from Corey. Good night and good luck. Thank you.